And I would like to invite the rest of you to open your copy of God's indestructible word to the book of Acts. We'll be in chapter 4 today, uh, starting in verse 42. So if you're using one of the Bibles we provide, it's page 912. And uh, I I don't know about you, but uh, as we sing these songs, I mean, there are just times where, uh, you know, God overwhelms me. And uh, that's not because I'm special. It just is because he's special, and this, these truths that we're singing are very, very special. Um, and, and, and as we talked about last week, we saw the early church was praying for boldness. And um, wow, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think, at least as I'm looking out, and this is the experience of my own life and, 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 and people that I know that are super committed to Jesus, and yet, wow, we, we need his, his grace to make us brave. We need his love. We're going to come back to that. God, help me to remember to come back to that at the end of the sermon today. We need him to make us brave. We need him to set a fire in our souls where we are just burning with passion for his name, not our own name, his name, and committed to live for him every second of our lives. That's what this whole thing is about. That's why Jesus died, to bring us into a relationship with himself. Uh, So I hope that you have discovered that. And uh, if you haven't, I hope you'll discover that even today. Even today, God is that good. So let's pray one more time, and then we're just going to jump in, okay? God, thank you for this morning. God, thank you for these songs. Thank you for this community of faith to come and to be encouraged. Lord, that not just one, one person or a few people are singing praise to you, God, but that a whole community, a whole a family of people are saying, hey, we're locked in on this same journey, the same mission. So, Lord, would you do what only you can do now? which is speak to us um, and change our hearts uh, in the ways that you want to change them. God, encourage us where uh, we see your grace at work. And Lord, thank you for what you have done in our church and what you continue to do. All for your name we pray through Christ. Amen. Well, uh, for those of you that are new to Redemption Hill, I want to catch you up to speed a little bit uh, in the journey of our church. So um, my family, along with two other families, the Chasting family, Pastor John uh, gave the welcome today, um, and a single young lady, seven adults, six kids at the time. Uh, we moved to the city of Medford, all right, right here in Medford, and uh, we said, hey, we want to start a new church uh, in this city. And just seeing the, 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 the need for uh, a greater presence of people that know Jesus or in relationship with him and really desire to help other people, no matter where they are in their spiritual journey, to understand who he is, what he's done, and why that matters for our lives. And so that was the whole intention, to help people get to know Jesus and help people to grow in their relationship with Jesus. So uh, summer of 2010, uh, we, we, we moved to Medford. Uh, we start meeting as just a small little, you know, kind of Bible study, small group, what we call community groups. We were meeting, uh, you know, that summer and, and started just slowly connecting with neighbors, connecting with friends we were working with and getting to know in the city. And uh, one group became two groups. And then about uh, three months later, that, that, that became another group. And so it was in the uh, uh, the spring of 2011 that we started our Sunday services. And we started at this uh, building called Spring Step. It's on the other side of City Hall. A very beautiful building, a very modern uh, building. And, and really, quite frankly, it was perfectly suited for a, a, a new church. 
uh, just the way that, uh, you know, the, the larger room upstairs and there was plenty of space for kids. And uh, the really cool story about that, just here, here you go, okay, this is how God works, is um, we were told by another church uh, that it actually, like a year earlier, ex- uh, explored the possibility of meeting at Spring Step over in Malden. And, uh, and they said, uh, sorry, we will never rent to a church. And so we just said, you know what, like they can just tell us no again. It doesn't hurt that you have not because you ask not. It's what the Bible says. It's talking about prayer, right? But the principle kind of applies in other situations too. So uh, we just made a call and they said, well, how much can you pay? And so that just started a whole thing. So, so when there seems to be no way, when there seems to be barriers, okay, this is a lesson for your own life, right? Like God can make a way. And so we started there uh, for the first two and a half years of our existence meeting at Spring Step. Then, uh, sadly enough, they had to sell. Uh, it was a nonprofit dance studio. They, uh, they needed to sell the building. Uh, that forced us to relocate. And thankfully, because we've always been a church that loves and serves our city with no strings attached, okay, we don't serve others to get something back. We just serve others because Jesus has served us. Um, we had established this great relationship with the Boys and Girls Club, which is downstairs here in this building. And uh, when they found out that we had a need, they said, hey, come on over and, uh, and, and, and use our space, use our gymnasium, use our classrooms. And so uh, from September 2013 through September 2015, those two years, we were downstairs in the Boys and Girls Club. And then uh, through a sequence of events, God then opened up a door for us to move upstairs into this much nicer space, the Chevalier Theater, where we've been for the past two and a half years. And, and I, know, I know many of you, in fact, let me just, this will be fun, okay? We do this sometimes, okay? Who, who was here for the Spring Step days? Just raise your hand, okay? All right, you guys are legends, all right? You guys are legends of Redemption Hill, okay? You're still around. We love you. You're amazing, okay? So, Mm, that's good. All right, who, who was here for the Boys and Girls Club days? Anybody? All right, yep, boom, 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 boom. Okay, so you guys are awesome too. Don't, don't, don't just think it's just a few, few of you. Okay, and then, and then who's, who's, who's come around recently? Maybe in the past two and a half years, even the past couple of months, maybe. Raise your hand. Okay, that's great. Okay, don't be shy. Um, so, so that's probably the majority of people, right? And that's what we love about our church. We're always connecting with new people. We're seeing more and more people connect with Redemption Hill Church. Well, um, now, now we're on the verge, check this out, of another move, another transition. Some of you caught that this news this week in a newsletter that we sent out, but we are now uh, this next Sunday, okay? This next Sunday, we are transitioning to a new home, and that new home is Medford High School right here in our city, all right? So uh, is anybody excited about that? Come on now. That's right. That is a great thing, all right? That is a great thing, and let me tell you why, okay? Uh, So uh, this, this place has served us well. We're so thankful for the Chevalier. We're so thankful for the Boys and Girls Club, our longstanding partnership that's not going away, by the way. That's not going to go away. But uh, what, it, what happened was uh, this, this building is owned by the city of Medford. And uh, historically, it has been run and operated by a city commission uh, who not only cared for the facility, but also uh, booked events and made things happen here. So um, with, with the city's intention, our wonderful mayor wanting to revitalize Medford Square, one of the pieces of that strategy was to breathe some life into the Chevalier Theater, right? This historic place. It's the fourth largest theater in greater Boston. Did you know that? It's pretty significant right here in Medford, right? Right here has been our home. 
And uh, so what they chose to do was to hire an outside management company to come in and start booking events here in the theater. And we, we love that. We applauded that because we want great things happening in our city. But we knew that a potential byproduct of that would be that they would start booking it more and more on weekends, and that could have some challenging uh, implications for us. And so uh, for those of you that have been around since the beginning of the year, you know that we uh, have had two uh, Sundays uh, where we were kind of bumped because of events that were happening here on the weekends. And, uh, and so we have uh, explored different, different options around the city, just trying to understand uh, what, what spaces might be available. And time and time again, uh, what, the place that rose to the top of the list is Medford High School. And so that's why we met there on two Sundays. We had a worship night there in January. And, and what we discovered, and this is what I love about how God works, okay, that's, that's kind of the impetus behind uh, what drove this exploration and this now eventual move, but as we, as we talked about, God makes ways when there seems to be no way, and God does things that you would never do without some help. You know what I'm saying? And so what we've discovered, we really believe as pastors, and this has really been the feedback, we've received feedback from, you know, the members of Redemption Hill. We see that this is going to be a great thing for our church. Now, now the Chevalier is a, is a great home, right? But we believe that Medford High can be an even better home, all right? And let me share just a few reasons why, okay? As you think about what happens on a Sunday, what makes a Sunday uh, experience, time of worship, uh, what it is on Sunday is, is obviously what's happening in these kind of 75 minutes, roughly, of, of, of singing songs and hearing from God's word and responding. And so the theater at the high school seats just over 400 people, right? So, so there's plenty of room for us, but yet it creates an environment that is more intimate and, and, and close in terms of proximity to one another, as well as uh, the, the team that's leading uh, each and every Sunday. So we love the dynamics from a worship standpoint. Then you have this massive lobby area that is really going to help us connect with one another before and after the service. And so we are all about relationships at Redemption Hill. We don't only want to relate to God, we want to relate to one another. And so to have that opportunity to connect is going to be a really great thing. Um, the Redemption Kids space is much more accessible. There's some great things that are in store for our Redemption Kids. And then uh, also, uh, if you were able to go to one of those first couple of Sundays, you know that the parking is phenomenal. Okay, it's just, it's just right there, huge lot. Okay, so you won't have to walk a couple of blocks around, you know, buildings and businesses to get to our spot. It's just, boom, park right there. Setup's going to be great. I mean, uh, there's just a lot of advantages that we see that we believe are going to help us not only connect with God in worship and connect with one another, but also as, as more and more people come through our invitation and come through us getting the word out about Redemption Hill, we really believe it's going to help those people connect and stick and want to be a part of the great things that God is doing in our church, all right? Come on, thank you, amen. Let's go, let's get started. Let's get, and there's something to thank you, something to celebrate, something to be excited about. And, uh, and so listen, uh, we, we are ready. We are ready to make this a step. By the way, let me just say this, okay? Um, we apologize, like, that, that we weren't able to give more notice. It was like, we know it was like, hey, we sent out an email this week, and then boom, announcement, and then bang, we're going. Um, but 
But listen, we, we really, we've been in conversation over the past couple of months. There's just been a couple of, you know, details with the city that needed to be worked out before we could get the, the official green light. And we want to make the move in this Easter season to be our new home and set us up for the future. Um, so listen, let me just say this at a pastoral note level. Um, if, if this move creates any kind of tension or challenge or unintended inconvenience for you, please let us know. Okay, please let us know because we want to make sure that, that we can all make this transition and that we are more strong, we're stronger than ever and more united than ever as a church in making this move. All right, so let us know that. But, but, but as we think about this, listen, um, th- there are a lot of great things about the physical space that I just tried to lay out. And there are a lot of reasons to be excited about this new opportunity. But, but here is what I am most excited about this season of transition for us as a church. And it is not what will happen because of the physical space dynamics, all right, but because of what is happening within the spiritual dynamics of each of our hearts, all right? What God is doing in each one of us, in the, 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 the hearts of the people of Redemption Hill collectively. Um, we have entered into a new season as a church, seeking God. We can, we can uh, honestly say, not, not to like pat ourselves on the back or like for anyone to give us an applause, all right? but, but, but we have been seeking God in, in a way that I haven't seen in the seven years of our existence as a church. I'm talking about a culture of prayer building. People praying individually, in groups. And when we have nights of prayer, by the way, this weekend is 24 hours of prayer starting Friday, 6 p.m., all the way to Saturday, 6 p.m. at our community center that God's provided for us. And so listen, sign up for a slot. We're going to actually pray at the space, okay? This isn't like roll out of bed and pray at 2 in the morning. If you sign up for that spot, that's wonderful if you want to do that. But um, this is like come to the space, and we're going to be praying together in the same location for whatever slot you can sign up for. And even if you don't sign up on the slides, it's like, please come. It's going to be an amazing time of seeking after God. But then on top of all that, you have our 2018 vision focus, which is what? Come on, you guys awake. The what? The fullness. The fullness of God in us, right, overflowing through us. There you go, right? You're with me. All right, so, so the fullness of God in us as we seek more, and we just sing about the right, instead of more, I want more of you, God. I want more of you. So the fullness of God in us, then to the point of where it just naturally overflows through us wherever we are in our neighborhood, in our workplace, as we're going about our business throughout the week, God wants to overflow through us. So, so as we look at this season of transition, listen, I'm excited about Medford High, but I'm more excited about the people that are going to be going into Medford High to make this a great thing as a church that wants to be a light in Medford and greater Boston to help people get to know Jesus. And so just this is the question as we move into this text. This is the question that I want to ask you, okay? And I want you to really think about this, and I want us to think about it collectively as a church, okay? What will, here's the question, what will help us maximize this moment, all right? What will help us maximize this moment? 
this moment of transition, this moment of, of, of a new chapter beginning in the life of our church, this, this season of Easter where people are more spiritually open than they are at any other time of the year. How can we maximize this for God's name's sake, okay, and, and see this really uh, move forward uh, in the ways that he wants it to? And I believe it's, it's really what we see here in the text. A heightened sense of our commitment to Christ saying, look, I am so committed to you, Jesus. I am so in with you. I am so whatever you say, I am all about uh, with you that I will withhold nothing in my relationship with you. You hear that? Withholding nothing. May, may this be the cry of our hearts and the reality of our lives as we go through these next two weeks and way, way beyond. So, so if you would, uh, read with me uh, this, this uh, short story. There's a summary of what God is doing here in the early church at the end of chapter 4, and then he gets into this story about uh, these two people named Ananias and Sapphira. Okay, so I'm going to just read this whole portion for us from Acts chapter 4, verse 32, all the way down through verse 16 of chapter 5. Here we go. It says this. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called Barnabas by the apostles, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, he sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. But a man named Ananias, with, with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property, and with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came upon all who heard of it. The young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. After an about an interval of three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. 
And Peter said to her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. When the young men came in, they found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. Now, many signs and wonders were regularly being done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. What we have here at the end of chapter 4 is another summary statement of what life was like in the early church. Okay, so we saw this at the end of chapter 2 where it says, you remember from a few weeks where we talked about day-by-day devotion uh, to the Lord. Um, it's, it's, it's another episode of, of just summarizing what is happening in the early church. And, and the, the themes are very familiar, familiar right? They're, they're devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. Okay, they're witnessing to uh, the fact that Jesus is, was once crucified. Now he's alive, and people should follow him and believe in him because he's the Savior of the world. And they were um, devoted to one another. And the focus here is is really on how they were devoted to one another in sharing what God entrusted them and actually financially being generous out of their own possessions to meet the needs of those around them. And so what I want us to, to think about today together is what does it look like to live a life of generosity, to display the generosity of God in our everyday lives. And the first way we are going to do that is by reflecting God's generosity by sharing our possessions, all right? By sharing our possessions. Look, look back at verse 32, okay? This is just going to summarize the whole uh, story, that the aim of what uh, the, the writer Luke is getting at, okay? It says, now the full number of those who believed were of one heart, okay, and soul. So, so they, were, they were locked in, they were united, they were about the same mission, called to the same purposes, okay, and they experienced a true unity, all right? And so we talked about this, but unity isn't just about like the absence of conflict between one another, although that's a great thing, right? But, but unity is about really having the same mind and the same heart, the saying we're about the same business and we really, really care about one another to the point that then it says, no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And so this this unity of soul and heart was displaying itself in mutual generosity. All right? See, there are two fundamental attitudes when it comes to 
just financial possessions and, and wealth, money, all right? Uh, it, is, it is probably either going to be somewhere on the spectrum of what is mine is mine, okay? Or what is mine is yours. You got that? What's mine is mine, all right? Like get your hands off because this belongs to me. Or, no, what is mine is not simply mine. But what is mine also belongs to you. Now, how could they have this kind of mentality, this kind of attitude with one another? Here's the, here's the difference maker, okay? The difference maker is the fact that they shared Jesus in common, all right? You want to, like, what will motivate you to be generous toward someone else? Okay, the fact that, that Jesus has changed you, okay, and you will be generous even to a stranger who you don't know if they know Jesus or not, okay? So it's not just limited to the, the spiritual family of Christ, okay? But especially, okay, especially we share the same, like, spiritual blood. We share the same spiritual name as followers of Jesus. By all means, we would share what, we, what, what belongs to one another when the other person has needs. Uh, Aristotle uh, was, is believed to have said that, that friendship is about one soul dwelling in two bodies. Think about that. One soul dwelling in two bodies. There's, there's such a unity. There's such a shared vision and heart that, 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 that it's like we're the same. We have, we share, we're sharing the same essence and, and values. And that's what's true of two followers of Jesus where we're sharing at that kind of fundamental level. And so that kind of attitude then, not surprisingly, leads to a particular kind of action, right? We're saying, like, what's mine is yours, and I am willing to share whatever I have. It says that they, they, had, uh, they shared um, and had everything in common at the end of verse 32. And so as we, as we, we see this similar phrase at the end of, of chapter 2, we talked about this a few weeks ago, it, it wasn't as if, like, we, we took all, you know, 200 people here today, and even the other people that are here and that, are, that aren't here today, that, that are typically here on Sundays, okay, and we just, like, pull all of our salaries together and all the money that we're making, we put it into one bank account, okay, that's not what was going on, but they were saying, hey, when someone has needs, when they need to put some food on the table, when they need some provision for a roof over their head. Hey, I've got some extra. I've got some land. I've got some possessions. I've got a house that I can sell. I'm going to sell that so that the needs of my family can be met. And and Luke gives us uh, an example in this man named Joseph who uh, received the nickname Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. And so Luke gives us a little bit of information about Barnabas, and it's this kind of literary way of saying, hey, this guy is important. You need to pay attention because Barnabas was going to team up with this man named the Apostle Paul, okay, and they were going to go on a missionary journey that was going to begin to change the whole landscape of the known world at that point, all right? So Barnabas was a pretty important guy. And then chapter 11 says that he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit. Hello, the fullness of God in us, overflowing through us. Okay, he was full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, all right? It takes a little bit of faith to be willing to give away your uh, resources. Am I not right? And so he holds Barnabas up as an example. And look at what it says in verse uh, 37. It says that Barnabas sold a field that belonged to him, and he brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. What's mine is, is not just mine. What's mine is yours. 
and they were distributing out of these proceeds to those that had needs in the early church. But sadly and very tragically, what we see is that not everyone was sharing this attitude. And I think we should just like as, as readers, okay, like all of these are, stories are held up as examples for us to say, like, which camp will you be in, Tanner? Which camp will you be in, Redemption Hill Church? Will you be in the what's mine is yours camp, or will you be in the what's mine is mine camp? Because what we see at the beginning of chapter 5, there were some that were saying, hey, what's mine is mine. And, and we see this in uh, this married couple named Ananias and Sapphira. And so it says, look, at, at the beginning of chapter 5, it says, a man, but a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. And with his wife's knowledge, okay, they conspired together, they agreed about this. He kept back, there's the key phrase, there's the key word, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only part of it, and laid it at the apostles' feet. Okay, so, so here's, the, here's the issue. Ananias and Sapphira had pledged to take the proceeds, the total proceeds of what was sold, and to give it to the needs of the church. But rather than giving everything, they said, hey, we'll give some, but we're also going to keep back some for ourselves. And we don't know, like, how much they kept back. We don't know if it was, like, 10%, 20%, 50%. That's really irrelevant. It could have been 1%. But the point is, is that our generosity, listen to this, is always a spiritual issue. Think about that. Our generosity is always a spiritual issue. And we say this a lot, uh, but, but this is so important for us to understand as those who live in American culture, a very materialistic society, right? Where, where the, the message that we hear is earn more so that you can spend more on yourself, right? And so uh, this, is, this is so important for us to hear because fundamentally what, what's mine is mine is a very clenched fist, you know, posture, but what's mine is yours is a very open-handed posture. And so let me just show you how this works theologically, okay? God, okay, God, guess what? He owns everything. God, like Everything in this world belongs to God. The, 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 like the Psalms, they put it poetically, like the cattle on a thousand hills is yours. It's like, oh, like God only has a thousand? No. God owns it all. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Like it all belongs to him. Guess what? Your life, your, li- your breath, your next breath is a gift from God. It belongs to you. Belong to him. Whether you whether you're saying my life is mine and I don't belong to you, like guess what? You belong to him. He made you. He created you. He made you for a purpose. And so, because we understand that everything belongs to him, okay, that means then whatever we have in this life, just look around: relationships, spouses. I mean, friendships, uh, the clothes on our back, right? I mean, my parents got me this jacket uh, for Christmas. Um, 
And I'm thankful that some of you liked it, and that's why I'm wearing it again, all right? Because my wife told me to wear it, and you told me that you liked it. Um, but, but like this, this, sorry, I'm going off on random stuff here, but it's not so random because like everything that we have is a gift from God. It, it all comes from Him. The, 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 the strength and the ability to work and earn a paycheck, it comes from Him. And so, like, when we get that, when we get, like, everything belongs to God, then that will influence the way that we hold the possession that he has given us. You see that, right? He has given it to us. And so now it's like, well, we're just managers. The Bible says we're stewards of what God entrusts to us. And so we just take what he has given us, and we seek to invest it wisely, okay? Yes, we all have bills to pay. Yes, we all have needs. Yes, it's not a sin to go out and have a good time and spend some on yourself, right? But, but the basic posture of our culture is, like, we're going to spend, like, do you know that Massachusetts is, like, at the top of the list of being the worst, okay, the absolute worst? worst in terms of charitable charitable giving? I wouldn't have thought that. That's true. It's sad. But 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 and that doesn't even that doesn't even get into like church life and and, and what we're called to. So so here's the point. Um, our generosity is a spiritual issue. And this is so plain. This is so clear right here. I mean, just look at how this is laid out, okay? Number one, in verse 35 and 37 of chapter four, it says that what? They sold the possessions, they took the proceeds, and then they took those proceeds, that money, and they brought it and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, why would they do that? There are a couple of reasons, okay? At a practical level, the apostles were the leaders in the early church, right? So so they were the ones that were organizing the, the church, and they were the ones that were, hey, they're finding out this person has a need, okay, that we have some to give to them. Okay, so they were coordinating this, and they eventually delegated that responsibility. In chapter 6, we're going to see that. Okay, so that's the practical uh, level. But then the, the deeper level, the, the spiritual level and issue is that the apostles represented who? Oh, yeah, that guy named Jesus, right? So, so, so they were the delegated uh, authority of Jesus Christ, okay, so for, for someone to lay a gift at the apostles' feet, it was to say, hey, this belongs, not to Peter, James, and John, okay, like, this belongs to Jesus Christ. And, and then as we go on, uh, what Peter says in verse 3, look at this, but Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to, like, whoa, Ananias and Peter are having the conversation, right? Ananias has just lied to who? Peter? But, but Peter doesn't say, why, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to me? Peter says, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? And if you just want to do some fun theology right now, okay, um, never doubt for a second that God is a triune God, okay? There is one God. He exists as Three persons, Father, Son, Spirit, okay? And the Spirit is God. If you ever want some evidence in the Bible, just go to chapter 5 here because in a couple of verses later, actually one verse later, verse 5, it says, Why have you tried this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man but to, say it with me, God. God. The, the, oh, the Holy Spirit is God. And then when he has the conversation with Sapphira, he says, Why have, why have you uh, tested the Spirit, okay? So, so all of this, all of this is to show that our generosity is first and foremost 
an act of devotion, not to one another, although one another benefit, right? But, but our generosity is first and foremost an act of devotion to God. So now let's back up and, and just reevaluate for a second. This means that if our financial generosity is an act of devotion to God, that the enemy of God is not going to like that. He's not going to like that at all. In fact, um, and we, we understand this, right? Like, we have, we have material needs. We all have needs. And so, so it's, it's our default mode to take care of ourselves. And I'm not t- saying that we shouldn't take care of ourselves, that we shouldn't take care of our own family, right? Like, we have three kids and one on the way. Like, we're super excited about, like, taking care of our family and providing for their needs. But, but then there is this thing about surplus and excess and having more than we need. And so it's out of those needs and sometimes even the sacrifice when we can't even meet our own needs to meet someone else's needs that we then give to help someone else. And so, so that, that drives Satan crazy, and he wants to, listen to this, he wants to tempt us in the area of money and financial provision. All right? He wants to tempt you. He wants to make you stumble. He wants to, for you to, to say, like, no, I worked hard for this. I earned this, like, it belongs to me. What's mine is mine. I'm going to, I'm going to spend my money on what I want to spend it on. Or he tempts us to, to worry and to not trust God, but to, like, how, how, just consume with how am I going to pay this bill and how am I going to have enough and are my kids going to be able to, you know, experience these things in life. And, and so Satan is at work to tempt us. And again, this just teaches us that generosity is a spiritual issue. And so here's, the, here's just the simple encouragement. We all, and this including me, we all can and probably at some level should take a step forward in how we withhold nothing but actually display God's generosity by meeting needs around us. We do that in two primary ways, I think. Number one, we give to the needs of, of Redemptional Church. God is on a mission. The church is the front line of his mission. And so that's why we give weekly and we, we collect our, our funds together to see the mission of Redemption Hill carried forward so that we can grow in Christ and more and more people can know about, about Christ. But it's not just that, okay? It's, it's that and when we see needs, and I love how this happens primarily in our community groups, we find out about maybe a hardship or a time of need and we all have these times of need where we step up and we take of our resources and we share for the benefit of one another. So we display God's generosity through sharing of our possessions. And just, just real quick, let me, let me say this. I, I know like we're reading this, and maybe if this is the first time you've heard this story, or even if it's the hundredth time, you're like, you're reading through the book of Acts, and everything is going great, okay, and they're like making Jesus known, and, but, but then it's like God takes out two people? Whoa. Like, does that not seem a little harsh, God? Like, I thought you were nicer than that. Like, and so what's happening here? I think a few things. Number one, um, God takes the unity of the church and the purity of the church with great seriousness. 
God takes his holiness, wow, his holiness and our sin with great seriousness. And he wants us to do the same. He wants us to do the same. So really, like, the, 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 the injustice is not on God's part, okay, because our sin is destructive and our sin leads to death. The timetable was very short in this instance, but it is a reminder and an example that sin always leads to death. Sin always leads to judgment. And then this early stage in the church is it's growing and flourishing. God wanted to keep their attention on him to say, look, walk in my ways, stay the course, be faithful and devoted to me in everything that you do, even how you share and be generous to one another. And so we display God's generosity through our sharing of our possessions. And then, and then finally, listen, uh, we reflect God's generosity by sharing Christ in word and deed. Look, look at verses uh, 12 through 16 again. And what it says here is that many signs and wonders were being done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And, and as they were together, it says in verse 14, more than ever believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. And so what we have here, what we see in the book of Acts consistently, what we saw in the life of Christ, what he began to do in the Gospel of Luke, okay, is that there was always this wedding or this synthesis of both the message of Jesus, our words, and how we live our lives, the good deeds of Jesus and the good deeds that we do for Jesus. All right, so, so, so we never stop serving others and caring for others and displaying the love of God through our everyday actions, okay? But those everyday actions should be accompanied by an actual verbal witness that is saying, hey, I live this way because of what God has done in me. And so I, I love just as, as we enter into this season, we're in the, the, the Lent season leading up to Easter. Listen, we know that, that people are more spiritually open this time of the year, generally speaking, than any other time of the year. And so there are opportunities abound for us to care for those around us by reaching out with the love of Christ. Listen to this, okay? I received an email um, in, in January, January 30th, and uh, here's the subject line. I just, you're going to appreciate this. Actually, you might hate it. Um, is this you, Tanner? Question mark. Okay, so this is how they got me, right? Because I'm like, Try to be a good-hearted person. I'm a pastor. Maybe I met this person two years ago. Like, maybe they're trying to get in touch with me, you know? So, like, so I click on the email. I open it up, and this is what it says. Hey, Tanner, I'm not sure if you read my email yesterday. I didn't, all right? But in case you haven't, uh, until midnight on Thursday, I'm offering new members the entire 24 to double process for 15 days, all for just $7. Here's the, here's the catch. All right, you ready for this? You may not believe this, but this is like, this is really an email. This is really representing an organization I won't name. Um, double your church in 24 months with this deal. Hang on. Oh, man, that was bad. I hate that stuff, man. That's, 
Don't make fun of me, all right? I got my, my dress shoes on today, all right? Um, yeah, that's right. I know how to eat my hand. My feet. Come on. Um, so thank you, man. You guys are loving me today. Thank you. Um, listen, why is that, like, and, and let's not judge the, the, like, but really? Like, 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 really? Like $7? Like, we can just, like, listen, God's plan is not a marketing scheme. God's plan is not a few methodological, dare we say, maybe even like tricks, okay? God's plan is his people. We are his plan. The mission is in our hands. And so you know why like the Lord was adding to their number day by day, multitudes were believing in Jesus because the actual people of God were loving like Jesus loved them and they were sharing the news about Jesus and more and more people were believing in Jesus. And so the encouragement for us during this season is to take this news that we have received and generously give it to the people in our lives, our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, to say, listen, why don't you come with me uh, next Sunday, Palm Sunday? Why don't you come with me Easter Sunday? I mean, just, just some simple encouragements. Look, we've given you uh, invite cards. Everyone should have three for our Easter service. You can take 30. You can take 300 on your way out. You can give it to your whole neighborhood, all right? Like, do whatever you want to do. Do what God is leading you to do. But the message today is, look, withhold nothing. Withhold nothing. You may want to use a, a Facebook event. Uh, you, you may want to just make the, the invite even more personal uh, by, by uh, making it more meaningful and compelling based on your relationship with that person. You might even want to get creative. What I plan to do is just make a simple video of, of, of me inviting my friends and then tagging on a, a, just a personal message with that to say, hey, I've been thinking about you uh, leading up to Easter. I've been praying for you. I would love for you to come and join us on April 1st at Medford High School. So, so, so here's the encouragement. Listen, no matter how God is leading you to meet the needs of those around you through financial generosity, no matter how he is leading you to, to reach out and to care for those around you that he's strategically placed in your life to love and to care for, listen, what, what God wants us to do is to take the next step in saying, we will withhold nothing in our devotion to you, Jesus, in our devotion to your people known as the church, and in devotion to your mission. And so to, to close out our time, I want to invite Dan and the team to come back out. And they're going to lead us in a time of, of singing. And the song is just a simple song. Perhaps you're very familiar with it. It's called, I Surrender All. Just to say, God, we, we surrender our lives to you. Whatever you're calling us to, our lives are in your hands. And so I want to just invite you to pray with me, and then let's stand and let's sing this song as a prayer to God to say, God, help me to withhold nothing from you as we move forward in this journey as a church in the city God has placed us in. God, thank you so much for how you instruct us from your word or through very positive examples through some even negative examples of, of people that did keep back what you had entrusted to them. God, may that not be us. 
May you set a fire in our souls to such a degree that we are experiencing the boldness of the Holy Spirit overflowing through us to love the actual people around us with the love of Christ, motivated by the gospel and what he has done for us. So Lord, our lives are in your hands. Today we say we surrender to you once again that you might do whatever you want to do. And as we pray in the name of Jesus.